1 Samuel chapter 17. I've got just a little bit of time. Can you guys listen fast? I, I want to share with you about better things up ahead. God has a plan for our lives. And, and I want to just, uh, there's something I want to focus on just, just right now. Uh, Romans 8.37 calls us more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Romans 8.37, Paul the Apostle said, after explaining a lot of challenges and trials, and he's very realistic about it, in Romans 8.37, he says, but in all these things, what things? The things that preceded these verses, challenges, trials, difficulties, um, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. David Wilkerson started Teen Challenge during all the, the drug craze to combat addiction. And the professionals, the professionals, the medical care people, called something, had to coin a phrase of, because of the success of their, of their rehab program. Uh, yesterday, we were with a, a, a rehab counselor that just retired, and, and, and um, you know, they, they, th this is the factor. It's called the Jesus factor. Um, my very own father-in-law overcame uh, a, a tough battle with alcohol after World War II. Before PTSD was even called that, he, he was missing in action. He saw his whole unit killed. He survived a terrible situation in the South Pacific, and he struggled through his life. And uh, I'm so proud of him, uh, not just for the war service. I'm proud of the God who raised him up in the end of his life, and at the end, it, all's well that ends well. Almon Shoemake loved the Lord and had a tenderness like a childlike faith, and God healed him. And he got out of alcohol. I don't think my wife would mind me saying this. The Washington U professionals came to the house to interview him because they were so fascinated. And he attributed his sobriety to Jesus. So Jesus makes a difference, you guys. Then all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him. This is why I'm preaching about Jesus. I'm not preaching success principles. I'm not preaching the you know, how-tos of things. I, I, I am, but it all emanates out of this person who took our sins and died on the cross so he could obliterate the, the sin problem and, and give us authority over the devil and get us back into the victory, right? Yeah. And in fact, it says, what is it? Is it 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, verse 14? I, or is it 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse, verse 14? He always leads us in triumph. Say that. He always leads us in triumph. So uh, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. How? In Christ. In Christ. I just saw this couple. They just came through COVID. Um, you know, had a bit of cancer on this nose. Somebody noticed it, called him out on it, prompted him. Got to take, you can't even tell, it. I mean, they did such a good job. He's, he looks like he's 10 years younger. He's more handsome than ever. And uh, God, what the enemy means for harm, God will turn around for good. Come on. And I'm telling you, the Lord is faithful. And, 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 and so I, I, I want you to know that God's intention is to enable us to win and to endure conflict and to continue to stand in all sorts of situations. God wants us to be able to extinguish, not some, but all the fiery darts of the devil. And so my title of my message, if you're a note taker, is Overcoming Challenges. 
And 1 Samuel chapter 17 just stands out to me, and I don't even want to apologize for going back to this famous chapter. It's a very familiar passage of, the, of David uh, approaching and winning and defeating the giant Goliath. And if you're a note taker, four points uh, are discovered in these pages. Number one, we first of all need to realize challenges come. We are a reality-based people and we need to realize challenges come. There, 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 you will be tested. There are challenges. And, and so it's inevitable. And we just, as we go through life with that factored in, we're not going to be blindsided. We're not naive. We're not candy coating the thing. We know it is what it is. We live in a fallen world and, 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 and there are battles that to be fought. So number two, because we realize challenges come, we are required to face off and stand our ground, to face off. And you'll see what David did and how he did this in the name of the Lord. We, we, we don't avoid it. We don't put it off. We face off with it. I find that when Jesus was tempted in Luke chapter 4, he didn't just sort of listen to all of it and let it accumulate. He dealt with every one of them as they came. It is written. He dealt with it. He dealt with it. The best times we've had in our lives, we've tackled the paperwork at home. We, you know, we've, we've done this project. We fixed this situation. Um, the other day, our, our, our garbage disposal got broken, so I had to, and then the, 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 uh, the dishwasher washed up a bunch of water in there, so I had to bail all the water back out, and I had to dig in there, and I had to turn off the electrical, and I had to look in there and all that kind of stuff to get it to a point where we could get it fixed. You just can't avoid it and just let it sit there thinking it's going to get better. Yeah. You know, you, you, you realize... Garbage disposals get stuck, and you face off, yea, verily, with thy garbage disposal. Number three, you persevere. You persevere. You fight the good fight of faith, and you refuse to quit. You never shrink back. You never back down. Uh, giving up is not an option. You keep fighting the good fight of faith. David is an example. And as I said, I had the privilege of going to the game last night, and though uh, the, the Cardinals couldn't beat the Phillies. David did beat the Philistines. Hallelujah. So we still have victory here. Hallelujah. No air has sucked out of this room because we have the rarefied air of heaven in here. His presence is in here. And so we fight. Say this with me. I fight the good fight of faith. And lastly, number four, we simply trust God through it all. We simply trust God knowing that he loves us. First Samuel Chapter 17, I'm going to highlight this for the sake of time. And um, here's the story. 1 Samuel 17, verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And they gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. And they camped between Soko and Azekah in the Ephes Dalman. Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the valley of Elah. And drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. Patsy and I had the privilege recently of being right before the pandemic on the very field, on this very uh, field uh, where fortunately uh, they haven't done any commercialization. The only thing they have is a road that leads up to it, but you can put your back to the road. You have to walk several steps to get around the corner where the Philistines were camped and where Judah was camped 
and then you see the valley, and then you even see the brook where, where David reached down and got the five smooth stones. And it is very, very inspirational because there aren't, there, it's not commercialized. There's not like a gift shop there, and there's not a bunch of lights there. I mean, we went to the garden tomb in 1978, and it was pretty simple. And you could see what looked like Golgotha. Look, there was literally a, a, a hill that it was in the shape of a skull, which was consistent with the scripture. And archaeologists, that's part of why they argue that may be the actual site of the, of the tomb. And there was an actual tomb there hewn out of a rock and so forth. And many people believe, some people believe it was elsewhere. Many people believe it was there. But what so many people believe, it, believe it's there, that over the years, they keep improving it. Until now there's a parking lot and there are big tour buses parked blocking the Golgotha skull. But this is not the case with this field. For some reason, God has kept this field just as what it looked like for the ancients. And I love that because I could stand there and from reading these scriptures, I could get instant rush of history uh, understanding of the faithfulness of God in this moment. But here's the deal. Israel was stuck in a moment, hiding in one side. The Philistines were bowing up. It was a very harsh moment for, the, for Judah. And the champion, the Bible says, the champion came out, verse 4, uh, from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, which is about, a, a cubit is about 18 inches, so about over nine feet, almost 10 feet. 10 feet tall and bulletproof, I reckon, S sort of. And then in verse 5, it says he, he had a bronze helmet on his head. He was clothed with a scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. And if you want to know, that was really heavy. Okay, then verse 6, he also had bronze greaves on his legs and bronze javelins slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. So he had, a, he had even a bodyguard in addition to all this armament. In verse 8, he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man from yourselves and let him come down to me. And if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistines, the Philistines said, I defy, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Now this is an army under King Saul, a garrison of people who have been trained, who fight, who are at war, but have been seized by a spirit of fear, and they're hiding. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. The atmosphere was a global a crisis as far as they were concerned. Their lives were seized. They were stuck in a moment. Now David, everybody say, now David. This is a shift and pivot in the story. We now hear of, a, of this shepherd boy who comes and listen to what he comes in with. Was the son of the Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons. And Jesse was old in his days 
uh, in the days of Saul, advanced in years among men. So he had an AARP card. He had a lot of kids, and this, his baby's name was David. The three older sons of Jesse had gone after Saul to the battle. The names of the three sons of the battle were Eliab, the firstborn. The second was Ahinadab, and the third was Shammah. David was the youngest. He was the baby in the family. Now the three oldest followed Saul, and, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend to his father's flock at Bethlehem. He was too young to be a soldier. He was not trained as a soldier, but he did go back and forth. And the Philistines came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took, and the Philistine took his stand. Goliath was ominous, consistent, belittling. It was a a tough time. Remember, realize challenges come. But I'm teaching you on how to overcome challenges. Are you guys ready to look at this? Jesse said to David, hey, take now for your brothers an ephah of this roasted grain and these 10 loaves and run to the camp to your brothers, bring also these 10 cuts of Provel cheese to the commander of, of the thousands and cut them up in squares and, and, for the, and give the welfare of your brothers, Emos, the square beyond compare. That's a local interpretation of this verse. For Saul and they and all the men of Israel are in the valley of Elah fighting the Philistines. So David, look at what he did. He didn't argue about it. He didn't say, I don't want to do it. I want to play video games. I want to take care of my sheep. I don't want to, leave. I don't want to go back there. I don't, want to, I don't really like my brothers. David arose early in the morning and left the flock with a keeper and took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. That's a key, obedience in a small thing. And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in the battle array shouting the war cry. So David uh, is, is, is being obedient, and Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. Verse 22, David left his baggage in the care of a baggage keeper, so he was thorough and diligent, and look at this, ran to the battle line. You're going to see this again. David ran to the battle line, and this is it. When you realize challenges come, you got to face off and stand your ground. you got to face off and stand your ground. You, know, you, you don't waffle, you don't hedge, you don't, you don't halt. You, we, we, we are called by God to take our stand. This little Lincoln here, we prayed for him, he'll have backbone. He's up here playing with his stuffed uh, kangaroo and he's surrounded by loved ones, but that guy is being prepared for something great in his future. And I've been around long enough to see these things come about. And uh, Saul... When, when, when Samuel anointed David, David had no clue what was up ahead. And when Jesse told David to go take some emos to his brothers on the battlefield, he had no clue that he was about ready to encounter someone that would become famous not only with the Jewish people, not only with the church, not, but also with the world. You hear, you hear constantly in the business community and in, in education and, and in, in, in speech writers from all kinds of fields David and Goliath reference. This is one of the most profound truths that has ever been uttered in humanity. All through the nations, they talk about the David and Goliath dynamic and how the odds were so stacked against the young man. But yet, and in our case, we understand it was by the power of the Lord Jesus, the, the, the mighty God that got a hold of David and helped David. Uh, yeah, Jesus has always been, so he, I, you know, I'm a Jesus man, so David, David's a Jesus man now too. Jesus sits on the throne of David, but God helped him. Everybody say, God helped David. 
And that's it. We persevere and we trust God because he loves us. You've been, you, you're here because God loves you. God intervened for me before I was born. It wasn't because of my faith. It was because of his faithfulness. And eventually there have been some battles. He would say, be it unto you according to your faith. And like he said to the woman with the hemorrhage, your faith has made you whole. So I've had faith victories that are attributed to the, my faith. But my faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And the whole reason we're here is by the grace of God because he answers prayer. And he watches over his word to perform it. And he, what he starts, he sustains. That's why you could persevere. So perseverance isn't, I got to try harder. Perseverance is trusting God and falling on the everlasting arms, knowing that he's going to see you through all your trials and all your challenges and all the garbage that the devil throws at you and that you face through life. Cardinals didn't beat the Phillies, but David did beat the Philistine. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm rejoicing with a little bit of pain. But anyway, here we go. David left his baggage, and as he was talking uh, with them, he came up to the battle line. He ran to the battle line, entered in order to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath, named Goliath, was coming up, trash-talking from the army of the Philistines, and he spoke these hate words uh, to David. And David, uh, out loud, David finally heard him. He had not heard this before. And all of a sudden, when all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. And so David sees all this. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and his, and, and, and his taxes will be paid. And he'll have a, he'll have a, he won't ever get tickets if he goes through a, a, a speed trap and, 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 and he'll, his house will be made free in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him and said, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? See, he's a teenager. He wants to know what the prize is and what's, I said, and take away the reproach of Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? David is going, wait a minute, I take issue with this. How could this guy be taunting the armies of the living God? Something riled up in David's young, sweet, loving heart of understanding of how good God is and how covenant-keeping and faithful he is. And he says, who's taken issue with our God and the people of God? People answered him and according to his words saying, thus it will be done for the man who kills him. You get the daughter, you get the prize, you get all the blessing. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger burned against David. The jealousy of a, of a brother that's seized over off to the side, a warrior says, why have you come down here, little brother? And, 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 and why have you left your sheep out in the wilderness? So he's, he's, Did you just let him go stray? No, you know he got a, somebody to watch the sheep. He's very diligent. So the brother was wrong about that. And he's asking why. He's like, why? Dad wanted me to bring this emos to you, brother. I know your insolence, the guy says, on the wickedness of your heart. Actually, we don't know, and we've got to repent for judging people. That's what he's trying to judge. Man looks at the outward appearance, but only God sees the heart. For you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, what have I done now? Was it not just a question? So this is typical rival, you know, uh, sibling stuff. Then he turned away from him to another and said the same thing, and the people answered the same thing as before. We realize challenges come. 
while you're minding your own business, raising your family, a global pandemic blows up. County tells you you can't meet together. You got to just do live stream. You got to, yet we're still having babies. You could even hear that one on cue, just started making that, have babies and build houses. And, and you know, just this weekend, uh, 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 two uh, widow and widower that found each other in church, fell in love, got married out at the waterfall, and this young couple got um, engaged at the arch in the midst of global pandemic, interesting economic uh, downturn, uh, fascinating ideas about energy, food, water, rivers, all this kind of wars, rumors of wars, saber rattling, Philistines standing, saber rattling, uh, different but same as, not unlike, but alike, the, the things that we see here. That's why this chapter is so potent. Because it really doesn't show success principles, it just shows a pattern of obedience. And it shows what could happen to any man, woman, or child of God that cooperates with him long enough and stays available and stays yielded long enough. You will be slotted into uh, moments where you'll be able to take your stand, implement what you know, hold up your shield of faith, and guard and garrison roundabout situations and take authority that God has delegated to you and use the name of Jesus forcefully, whether you live in Michigan or Florida, whether you live in St. Louis, Missouri, or wherever you are. We've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. And you learn and you draw from a story about a 17-year-old kid standing in the middle of a moment, and he has a provided opportunity. And it says in verse 31, when the words which David spoke were heard, they were told to King Saul, and he, he sent for him, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of this giant. Your servant will go and put a whooping on Goliath. Then Saul said to David, hey, you're, you're not able to do, go against this giant and fight with him because you're just a kid. And he's been, he's been in World Federation wrestling and, and cage fighting and MMA, and he's been in the Marine Corps, and he's a, he's a Navy SEAL. And David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's flock when a lion or a bear came in to take the lamb from the flock. I went out after him. There you go. Challenges come, you got to face off with it. Here's David. This is, his, this is his trending. This is what we do. We don't go shrink and hide. His soul has no pleasure in those who shrink back. In fact, I'm preaching to a room full of Davids because you showed up today. You're here today. You're facing off with your challenges. You are more than a conqueror. You have backbone because you have Jesus who has backbone and the Holy Spirit is on your life and you have the word of God and you have a mission and a destiny and it shall be fulfilled. He said, I went out after that lion and that bear and attacked him and, and, and rescued it out of his mouth. That's how serious David was about his little lambs. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and I struck him and I killed him. Who grabs a lion by the beard and strikes him and kills him? A born again, spirit filled believer that understands what King David had in the Lord. He said, uh, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. Here's a beautiful point here about connecting the dots. The God that delivered you from this situation 
and then from this situation. He'll deliver you from this situation. That's the value of testimony. That's what another reason why I like the local church, because we could come together and we could share. We could weep with those who weep. We could rejoice with those who rejoice. We could say, I have a testimony. This is what God brought me through. And, or this is what I'm going through. Would you agree with me so I can stand and win in this battle? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's what I love about the church. It's reality-based. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's okay to have a problem, but it's not okay to stay stuck. And we don't deny it and avoid it or go, oh, you, you know, you must be something wrong with you if you have a problem. No, it's like it's, the, it's realized it's inherent. It's a fallen world. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And the devil is the god of this world. It's crazy. But we have the victory because he's given us authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, imagery about demons, imagery about we have lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He gives life and breath to all. Heal us and we'll be healed. Save us and we'll be saved. So David runs to the battle line and he's talking and the king is negotiating unbelief into the young man. And the young man is saying, sir, no disrespect, but I'm a shepherd, and in this context, you know, when I was a kid earlier, and this happened, I got some victory, and I reckon that that God is the same God with this situation, small, medium, large, super-sized battle and attack, he'll help me face these challenges, and this is the end-time church of the Lord Jesus. We're facing our particular season, having had the backing of David and the backing of the early church apostles and the Lord Jesus himself. And we have this reference book that is so faithful and so holy, so wholesome and true and correct. And it gives us uh, bearing and it shows us what we can expect and what to believe. And it paints this amazing picture of a faithful, abidingly good God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever and loves us with an everlasting love and has drawn us with his loving kindness. That's number four. Trust God because you've got to know that he loves you. David knew God had his back. Saul thought, you're just a kid. Well, then he said, oh, okay, well, here, try my armor. Saul's armor didn't fit David. Literally, it didn't fit him. But also, it wasn't working for Saul. Man's methodology at the end of the day doesn't work. Uh, and, and that's what I love about sorting all this out. This isn't success principles and how to manipulate and make things happen. At the core of it, it's reliance on the Lord. That's faith. That's called faith. Well, are you one of those faith people? Yes. Because if it's not a faith, it's sin. Oh, you're part of that faith movement. I hope my faith is moving. Because I want to move some mountains. Because it's getting ridiculous around here. I want to see my generation come to Jesus. I want to see a harvest of souls. Reinhard Bonnke blew through here for a decade. And that guy went to Nigeria. And he got kicked out of Nigeria. And he was able to come back to Nigeria. And so many people got saved. 79 million people got saved. Because that man never gave up. And he never came with a bunch of success principles. He was one of the most humble, loving, childlike guys I ever knew. He loved Jesus with all his heart. That was the secret to his success. It wasn't mentorship or name dropping or manipulation or leaning on the arm of the flesh. None of that was what he attributed his success to. It wasn't by might or by power. Never has been, never will be. It's always going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And that was what was on David. And that's what's on the, er the early church. And that's what's on you. And that's what's speaking to you right now. That spirit of faith speaks thusly. We're in an atmosphere. What's happening? The spirit of faith is stirring through here. It comes from God. It equips us. It fuels us. Remember when you got delivered. I got delivered from abortion attempts by a, by a mom who made a decision. I got delivered from the swimming pool where I was drowning, from the ocean where I got tipped over and I was drowning, lost at sea, boat accident, rescued by the U.S. Coast Guard. I'm accumulating some testimony. The God that delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the... Well, you say, well, it's a good thing you moved to St. Louis away from the ocean. Well, we had the stupid Missouri River come into this building. Water testimonies seemed to follow me. But my Savior walked on water. Peter walked on water. He's inviting us to walk on water. We need to be water walkers. We need to get out here and say, Lord, that God is my God. Even better than David because we have a new covenant inaugurated on better promises. We have the Lord Jesus who is the resurrection and the life. David longed for what we have now. When he said in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me, he hadn't had the benefit of the new birth. We have been created. Ezekiel said he'll give us a new heart. Take away a stony heart. Aren't you different than you used to be? Devil doesn't want you to think so, and he wants us to act with bad behavior and go back into the flesh and retreat. Jesus is saying, face the battle line. David ran to the battle line. He said, I can't use Saul's armor because it's not tested. I'm running out of time. He, he took his stick in his hand in verse 40 and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. I'll tell you fun, something funny. There's a brook in the middle of the field. And our tour guide, Jewish guy named Guy Leibovitz, he said, go and you can take some stones out of the creek. So we went out there, we got five smooth stones. And then I turned to the guy and I said, I wonder how many tractor trailer loads of stones these guys have to keep bringing here for all the pilgrims that go to Israel. And he chuckled. And I thought, there, there are probably smooth stones, enough smooth stones to build Mount Everest back home and all the people who took the smooth stones. So I don't want to, uh, we have them. So there's my cynical little funny aside. But at that point, he just, he used the sling. And it wasn't like a rubber slingshot. They didn't have rubber then. It was like, and you could see pictures of it. David was good with it. And he faced a nine-foot giant with basically not a real threatening weapon. And you guys feel like, do I really have faith for this? Do I, this world's gone crazy. I mean. Pastor Jeff, are you in denial? I'm not in denial. Realize challenges come. Yeah. I'm facing what happened in Hurricane Ian. Yeah. I faced what happened with the flood of 93. I faced what happened in my own family with challenges. Yeah. I'm facing how challenging the enemy tries to hinder the body of Christ and hinder the church, hinder Christians. I face death. I face all that garbage. And I realized, now the God that delivered me from the lion and the bear... The God that delivered LaDonna and J.J. and got J.J. a car when he turned 16. The God that gave uh, LaDonna increased blessing in a job when jobs were downsized and people were losing their jobs. That God is my God. Chelsea and Brian, who waited for the right moment, have found their right moment. Right? Claire, these guys, they got married here years ago and they came back. So we could stand and get that superpower anointing on that little Lincoln's life. Yeah. 
with his kangaroo and his mullet and his sisters and going forth in power. Come on, man. I go to a church where a guy named Lincoln with a, with a stuffed kangaroo and a mullet can get a super boost and get ready for the destiny of his life. And I'm believing God for whatever you're facing and whatever you're dealing with. God will anoint you, empower you, strengthen you, because that's what David said, and this is my conclusion. He said, you come out against me with sword and spear. I come out against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Verse 45, you taunted the armies of the living God, Buster. You, you, smoke, you, you spoke trash talk. Ernie Conwell told me the trash talk on those pileups on those NFL games when they were all here, he said, oh, they try to poke you in the eye, they try to scratch you, they call all kinds of names, they call your, your mother names and stuff. He said, it's bad, and then they're out scratching and biting underneath those pileups. Next time you watch a football game and you're flipping channels and you're eating your, 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 your Doritos or whatever, you just think about these mean guys. That's why they blow up and they're punching each other. Trash talk. And he says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. See, two things. And that all this assembly, this is the army of Israel, the world may know there's a God and this army may know that the Lord does not deliver by the sword or by spear or by methodology or technique. Look, you guys, I've had so many people tell me how to do church. I've had people tell me, you got to go to this conference. You got to fly over to this country. You got to learn this. You got to do this model. You got to do that. It's like, wait a minute. It's not gimmickry. It is not. It never has been. It never will be. It's not by might or by power. I'm looking for what God wants to do. I'm believing for a real revival in the church, a genuine harvest amongst the lost that will be sustainable and that will have longevity. I'm holding out for the real thing that will last. We're built to last and the kingdom of God is about permanence. And I believe we've been brought into the kingdom that, that cannot be shaken and we've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. And it happened, verse 48, that David, the Philistine, rose up and drew up, put up his heavy stuff is you know 800 pound helmet or whatever and David ran quickly toward the battle line there it is again he didn't hesitate to meet the Philistine I face off with this garbage my wife and I've learned to face off with stuff and David put his hand into his bag and took out a little bitty stone and put it in his little kid's sling and swung it and swung it swung it swung it like you saw in in uh in Sunday school in the little drawings that you colored and the Philistine, he hit him in the head, forehead, boop, and the stone stuck in his uh, uh, prefrontal lobe. Uh, that's the part where he's cussing and being mean. And so that he, he hit him right in the cusser. So that he fell on his face, fell on his face to the ground. Bigger they are, the harder they fall. Boom. And David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he struck the Philistine and killed him but there was no sword in David's hand. So he goes, ah, I know what. He has a sword. So he takes up big old sword. I mean, this is better than the sword of the stone. He takes his sword from Goliath. And David uh, ran and stood up over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out, and said Excalibur, and <laughs> lobbed off that giant's head. 
all the kids said amen. When the Philistines saw that there was, their champion was dead, they fled. Stand up on your feet. Even though the Cardinals couldn't beat the Phillies, David beat the Philistines. Even though you've been through a thing or two, some disappointments, failures, challenges, trials, it all is designed to teach us to trust and believe for God's great plans to come to pass. Let's lift up our, our hearts and our faith right now before we go. I'm out of time. I just pray the blessing of the Lord. I pray the revelation of God. As people realize challenges come, we learn how to run to the battle line instead of cower in the corner. We, we face off and stand our ground. Saul's armor didn't work, but Hebrews or Ephesians 6, the armor of God works every time.